The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. The series fight. And this part four, we are changing gear, um, as it were, from the direction we were going. We were laying a foundation and, 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 and establishing the basic blocks, the building blocks to fight and, and obviously gain, gain victory. But today we will be looking at the weapons of our warfare, the weapons we fight with, and in, um, applying that to the theme, our theme, which is the combat, um, um, close combat fighting and, and, and all that. So we're looking at the, the punches we throw, the punches we throw, the punches we throw, because we actually throw punches. Second Chronicles chapter 10, verse 3, says to us, Second Chronicles 10, 3, says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. The challenge of a lot of us is that we are humans and we want to fight as humans. We are humans. You have a situation you have that is confronting you. You have maybe the enemy. Maybe it's, it's, it's an un, un, unfavorable situation. Because we are human, we want to respond with human antics. We want to respond with human weaponry. But God is saying, even though we are human, we are not to fight with human weapons, worldly weapons. In other words, we have spiritual weapons. We have spiritual armory that we can deploy. And God wants to teach us how to use them. In combat, there are different types of punches available. I mean, in a fight, you know, if you've been fighting, you'll understand what I'm saying. And in boxing particularly, there are four main types of punches. And in other types of combat sports, there are different variations. You have the straight punch, you have the jab, you have the hook, you have the soccer punch, you have the uppercut, you know, and in, you need a combination of all these, you know, <laughs> all these punches to deliver a knockout. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, the Word of God says to us that we use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and in the left for defense. So God is saying we are actually throwing punches and these punches, they are punches of righteousness, they are spiritual punches and on and on and on. So beginning from today, we will be looking at the punches available to us and how to deploy them. We'll be looking at two of those punches today. From next week, we are, we're going to be unpacking a, a whole lot more of those punches. And because these punches are spiritual, sometimes they don't make sense to the natural mind. You know, sometimes, in fact, the, 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 the punches look ridiculous, and that's why they are so effective. You know, they look 
they can easily be disdained. So today we're going to be looking at the punch of obedience. That's the first punch we'll be looking at. The second punch we'll be looking at is the punch of gratitude. Of gratitude. Our text is from Luke chapter 17 and we read verses 11 to 19. Luke 17, 11 to 19. And Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem. He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up, go. Your faith has healed you. Now, the scripture says that they were shouting from a distance. They shouted to Jesus from a distance. And it was because they were leprous. The person suffering from leprosy was not allowed in the community of people. And it is so interesting that even though they knew that they were leprous, when they saw Jesus and they saw the solution, they were not shy. They shouted. You know, it's strange. You have people that have um, leprosy and they are posing. Isn't that very strange? You have people that should be crying to God for help. It's time for prayer. And they are posing. I'm like, so what is the basis of the posing? Jesus was passing by. Jesus was nearby. There was only one thing to do. And that is to what? To shout. To shout for help. Another thing we may consider in this passage of scripture was that, you know, we had Jews and we have a Samaritan and they were all together. I mean, that is not a very, I mean, common scene to see Jews hanging out with Samaritans. And they were together because of one thing. They all had leprosy. Problem is one of the greatest binder of people. When people have problems, they don't care. We have community. Everybody's there for each other. We are all, you know, you know, together. You know, leprosy is such a huge denominator, common denominator, that when people now get healed, then that is when people begin to have discrimination. Oh, I don't belong to that class. When people start getting promoted, then people begin to say, oh, I shouldn't 
I shouldn't um, talk to this person. This person is below my, my standard. <laughs> my standard, you know. I'm not praying that God will give you problems. But I'm saying that when God solves your problem, don't forget where you are coming from. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Why? Because apart from the blood of Jesus, problems is one of the greatest things that bind people together. That's why even, I mean, sometimes when you have friends that have a common problem, they are fine because they are facing a common problem. But when one of them, you know, gets a solution or there's a solution, you know, you, the real friendship shows everybody goes their different ways. Praise the Lord. Now, when we get into the crux of the matter, which is the punches to learn from this story, we see the first punch. I mean, it's obviously, you know, when you look at it, it, it can be missed easily. The first punch is the punch of obedience that God is teaching us from this story. If you have a situation that is not your preference, you don't like it, you can give it a deadly blow of obedience. If you have an attack of the enemy, you can give it a deadly blow of obedience. Believe me. If you check verse 14, Jesus just said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, the priest's job is not to heal them. So he didn't say go show yourself to the priest to be healed. He says go show yourself to the priest. Why? Because the priest's job was to certify that they were healed. So Jesus said go and show yourself to the priest. Go and they were still leprous. And he said go and show yourself to the priests." He didn't even pray for them. Jesus did not say, oh, you have, you have this challenge. Oh, let us pray. He didn't even pray for them. He just gave them an instruction. There are things in God that can only be delivered by obedience. While there are things that can be delivered by prayer, there are things that can only be delivered by obedience. But the challenge we have is that we try to take delivery of things that can only come by obedience by prayer. We cannot get through prayer what God releases through obedience. We can't get by prayer what God releases by obedience. And, and that is one of the reasons for unanswered prayers. It's one of the reasons. It's not the only reason. It's just one of the reasons for unanswered prayers. So you have people that are, you have an unanswered prayer and you, you think God has not answered your prayer. Well, God is waiting for your obedience. You are praying and waiting for an answer. And God is saying, well, we are waiting for you to obey. We've given you an instruction. When are you going to do it? Reading a devotional by A.W. Towser, and, and, and it's, it's, it puts it this way. It, it, it said, prayer is no substitute for obedience. Prayer is no substitute for, and that is so true. We see people that are very spiritual, if you will. They can somersault during prayer. <laughs> but they are so stubborn in real life. It's, it's a misnomer. It's, 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 The church in Nigeria, for instance, is a praying church by any standard. We don't lack 
prayer in church in Nigeria. Nigerians know how to pray. Praise the name of God. And it's good, it's good. There's nothing wrong with it. But you see, the challenge is this. We don't, we are not very obedient people to the word of God. If we do all we know to do, that God has told us to do, only Christians in this nation just obeys God. What do you think will happen? The, the change will be so huge. Only Christians. Only Christians. We don't require Muslims to obey God. We don't require free thinkers or atheists or traditionalists to obey God. Only Christians obey God. Nigeria will change. Nigeria will change. Now, reason is not changing. We are not, we are not, obe- we are not obedient. We are not obeying. So you see people, they try to cut corners. They try to use their own brain. They try to, you know, and I'm like, how do you want help from heaven? How do you want God to help you? Jesus said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. Obey. Many times, I mean, many times, you know, I'm talking to people and counseling people and interesting stories. And I say to them, after listening and, and, and checking with, with the Lord, and you know, and I say to them, you know what, do this and you'll be fine. On many occasions, people have told me, Pastor, is it that you didn't hear my problem? I just told you my problem. You just told me to do this small thing. I need deliverance. Deliverance. I said I heard you. But do this. I was talking to a couple. I mean, they told me, oh, the great-grandfather did this, a great grand. then he handed it to the great-uncle, then in the village, somebody stole a chicken, then long story. I heard this story. Honestly, I actually listened intently, and I just said to them, just one thing. I said, do this. And they looked at themselves, and they said to me, Pastor, you didn't hear what we said. We need deliverance. And I explained to them that many times God is giving you an instruction. But you are looking for the razzmatazz. God wants you to obey him. You know, the, the word of God says that believe the Lord your God and you'll be established. Believe his prophets and you'll what? You'll prosper. You'll prosper. Okay, so pastor, are you trying to say you're a prophet? No. So what are you trying to say? It's simple. You know, by the grace of God, I hear from God and I speak God's mind. What I'm saying is this. If you do the things you are taught, your life will change. If you... Do you know why God is untouchable? Are you guys ready for this? I'm going, these are the things that, you know, second service people, first and second service people are not usually very happy with me. They claim I love third service people more than them. I don't know why. You know, <clears throat> but I would, 
I'm going to tell you a whole lot more. You know why God is unapproachable? Do you know why God is untouchable? Because he hides himself in light. God hides, God emanates light and light protects him. Obedience to God makes you a partaker of that light. And you don't struggle. Your life is not... You, you are not... How do I explain it? I hope are you getting it. You become a partaker of that light. He shares it with you. Your life is hid in him. I'm not struggling. I'm not struggling. I'm not struggling. There are a whole lot of people, again, more, a lot of people that, of course, we've spoken, and, and I just tell them something, and you know, they're like, Are you sure? I don't say anything, I just smile. And they go ahead and do it. And they come back and they say, Wow, God did this, God did that, God did this. God. Of course, God will come through. Of course. There's a story in 1 Samuel um, 15. Saul was the king of Israel. Samuel said to Saul, God has had enough of the Amalekites. Their cup is full. So go and wipe out the nation. Kill the sheep, the goats, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, everything. Wipe everything out. You have your instruction. Saul gathered the armies of Israel, 200,000 soldiers, armies of Judah, over 10,000 soldiers. They went to fight. They defeated the nation, obviously, because God was with them. But they kept the fattest cows. They kept the fattest sheep. They kept the king, Agag. And at night, God came to to, Saul. Samuel, and God, God said to Samuel that, that I, I, I regret making this guy king. I regret choosing this guy. And Samuel was like, well, what happened? And God told Samuel what happened. And Samuel cried all night. You know, God can change his mind. God can change his mind. Do you know that? God changed his mind concerning Saul. God, the prophecy concerning Saul was totally different. God changed his mind. God said, I'm choosing somebody else. I'm praying. May God not change his mind for the good things that he has for you in the name of Jesus. So, so Samuel got, got up in the morning and was, everybody was looking for Saul. They, they didn't even know where Saul was. Guess where Saul was? God, Saul was, I think, it was it Gilgal they found him? He was building a statue for himself. I mean, leaders, maybe you will let somebody else build it. A monument for you. He was building a monument for himself. And, and, and Samuel said to him, What have you done? This is what God said. God told me you didn't obey him. I said, We obeyed him now. We obeyed him. We obeyed him. Ah, Samuel said, What is it? I'm hearing the bleating of sheep. I'm hearing, is that not horses I'm hearing? 
So I don't, it's nothing. We just brought those ones to sacrifice to the Lord your God. You know, we, it's, don't worry about that one. We want to sacrifice them to God. And Samuel made this very popular statement, verse 22. Samuel replied in and said, What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obeying the voice of the Lord, the obedience to his voice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And to hearken that the fatness of ram, submission than offerings of fat rams. So Samuel was saying to Saul, you think that God will accept your sacrifice when you have not obeyed him. Do you know that prayer is sacrifice? Prayer is sacrifice. If you add fasting to it, it's a lot of sacrifice. There are folks that, that, that say, oh, pastor, before you begin to fast, before the church begins to fast, again, the God Ruggain service is coming on the 9th of October, praise the name of the Lord, and, and all that, you know. And, and fasting starts on the 19th of September. Is that correct? Okay. Teenagers are excited about fasting. Okay, fine. So, before you began to fast, 40 days before you began to fast, I have been fasting. Praise God. But do A, I will not do it. What's the purpose of your fasting? Obedience is better than sacrifice. And, and to bring it home so that Saul gets the message because he was still trying to, you know, you know justify, you know, try to smooth talk Samuel. The next verse says to us, verse 23, that you know, this is someone speaking. It says, rebellion is as sinful as what? As witchcraft. And stubbornness as bad as what? Worshipping idols. It says, so because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has also rejected you as king. Again, I pray, you will not reject the command of the Lord. Obeying God is actually very simple. Honestly, I don't know how people make it so complex. It's actually very simple. By the grace of God, in my work with God, one of the simplest things is obeying God. It's one of the most beautiful things. Why? Because what else will give you joy than making your father happy? Oh, is it inconveniencing? Is it challenging? Can it be challenging? Yes. Can it be inconveniencing? Yes, but in the final analysis, you are better off. Since rebellion is equivalent to witchcraft, it's as the sin of witchcraft. So, so, what are you saying? What I'm saying is simple. Every time you are in disobedience, you are as good as a witch in the spirit realm. That's how it is. 
That's how it is. So let's take a typical domestic example. Husband says to wife, I mean, uh, who is the head of who? The husband or the wife? Who is the head of who? The wife is the head of the husband. The husband is the head of the wife. Okay, I was just checking to be sure that uh, we are on the same page. <laughs> now, the husband is the head of the wife. So, the husband says to wife, we are going to do A. A is not a sin. A is not against God's counsel. It's not against God's will. It's not against the word of God. But wife says, we must do B. If we don't do B, I will show you who is in charge of this house. So, husband says A, wife says B. Wife wakes up at night, takes a shakere, giving glory to the Lord, he rests. Giving glory to the Lord, he rests. Heaven is like, who is that witch? Singing praise and worship. I'm just trying to dramatize it so you see how heavy this thing is. In some cases, husbands are, some husbands are weak. They're like weaklings. So some husband says, for peace to reign, we will do B. Because if I don't allow her to do B, we will not have peace, the foolish man. Because if I don't allow her to, she will, she will make sure that I, this soup will have too much salt. When we want to do <clears throat> nothing, no show, nothing, nothing for me. So let me just comply. Foolish, foolish man. No disrespect. But it is what it is. There has to be a, an Ahab for there to be a Jezebel. Uh, let Jezebel go and marry Elijah. Praise the name of the Lord. I use that example domestically to show us that we can deceive ourselves that we are spiritual if we are not obedient. We cut ourselves short. That's how heavy it is. And it's when you deploy the punch of obedience, it's one of the most devastating punch you can, you can land on the enemy. It's one of the what? Most devastating punch you can give the enemy. Obedience to God. Like it happened to these guys. So obedience to God may appear risky and, and senseless, but it is potent nonetheless. It may appear risky and senseless. It is potent. It may appear risky. Go and show yourself to the priest. That is risky because you see had, they still had leprosy. At least at the time they were speaking. Go and show yourself to the priest. What does that mean? If you show up and, and you still have leprosy, they can stone you. That is risky. It doesn't make sense because I mean, cleaning, cleanliness of the leprosy should come before testimony of that you are healed. But Jesus 
sometimes it doesn't make sense. Isaiah 1, 19 says to us that if you are willing and obedient, you will what? You will eat the good of the land. The NLT says, if you will only obey me, you will have plenty to eat. So this punch of obedience is not only an offensive punch, it is also a defensive punch. It's like a jab. The jab is a defensive punch. It puts the opponent at arm's length. Isaiah 54, 17 says, But in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will prosper. In other words, any blow the enemy wants to land on you, it will not land. It will not prosper. It says, you will silence every voice that rises up against you in accusation. It says, these benefits are enjoyed by who? The servants of the Lord. Their vindication comes from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. What do servants do to their masters? They obey their masters. The day the servant refuses to obey, he has another job. Let's say you have a driver. And you say to your driver, we are going to Victoria Island today. And he insists on taking you to a And he takes you to a prayer. I said, I've been obeying you all this time. You can't be angry with me because of this, just this one. Let me to express my, myself. It's a prayer we want to go today. <laughs> and he takes you to a prayer. And you keep quiet. Because if you are wise, you will keep quiet. Uh, you don't know, you will fight. You just say, it's a prayer we are going, okay. You keep, possibly, if a man says he wants to take a maybe a crazy man. <laughs> so he turns back, takes you, hey, we've got to take a happy. He brings you back home. You won't fight. Just say, give me my keys. <laughs> then, once he steps out of the gate, you tell him, don't come back here again. <laughs> End of story. End of story. We don't have a problem relating with the natural things. So, how. Come, we are pretending we don't understand spiritual things. Jesus said to them, you know when the wind is coming. You say the rain is coming. How come when I'm telling you that except a man be born again, you cannot see the kingdom? How come you don't get that? Praise the name of the Lord. It's also a protective punch. So we have the punch of obedience. And secondly, we have the punch of gratitude. Verse 15 to 18 says, one of them came back. Only one came back. Only one. But you see, when, when he came back, he moved from crying out from a distance to falling at the feet of Jesus. So he, he moved from, from crying out from a distance to falling at the feet of Jesus. You know what that means? It means that Gratitude brings you closer to Jesus. Gratitude brings you 
closer to Jesus. The more grateful you are to God, the closer you get to God. The more grateful you are to God. You see, some people, all the time they spend praying, prayer list is just complaining list. They are just complaining. They are just filled complaints. How come this is not happening? How come that is not happening? God, why me? God, why not me? God this, God that. God this, God that. Just complaining. But when you switch that to gratitude, intimacy with God happens. If you look at verse 19, the KJV says that your faith has made you whole. Jesus pronounced a blessing of wholeness on this man. Leprosy like you all know, deals and eats up, starts with the fringes of the body, the phalanges, so it eats up the fingers. So people that have leprosy, at the end of the day, all their fingers are eating up. They don't have fingers anymore. So when Jesus says that they should go and they are cleansed, they should go, they should show themselves, and they saw they were cleansed, the leprosy actually stopped. They were cleansed of the leprosy. But guess what? If they've lost eight fingers, eight fingers are still lost. It's just that the leprosy is gone. It will not progress from there. When this man came back and said, thank you to Jesus, and Jesus says, oh, your, your faith has made you whole, and he pronounced the blessing of wholeness on him, not only was he cleansed, he became whole, which means if he had lost eight fingers, the eight fingers grew back. They grew back. And because they have grown back, he is, he's gotten, he, you see, when you come and say thank you to God, you have come because you are grateful. But you see, every time God heals you and does a miracle, that is part one. No matter how big the miracle is. But every time you come back and say thank you, God delivers part two. Every time. Every time. And, and part two is usually not a request. You don't even have anything to do with part two. Part two is out of God's uh, magnanimity. Now, how many people know that God's magnanimity is bigger than any request you can ever give him or make. Out of his magnanimity, he says, Behold. Behold. It's like giving the enemy an uppercut, giving him a jab, giving him a straight punch, then combining that with an uppercut. Knockout, Nina. He's going to fall down and die. <laughs> Let me borrow that term. You can get an answer from God of such miraculous nature, but you don't come back to say thank you. How? How? See, when you don't come back and thank God, you're actually cheating yourself. So when God does something great in your life, your life should flow with thanksgiving. It should flow with thanksgiving. It should flow with thanksgiving. So we have a lot of us, we are owing God thanks. We are actually owing God responsive thanks. Thanks for what he has 
done, then there's the other part of gratitude, of thanks, which is the re- response, um, proactive, sorry, proactive thanks. So there's the responsive thanks and there's the proactive thanks. The thanks for what he's going to do. Thanking him for what he's going to do. And we see that in 2 Chronicles 20, 21. 2 Chronicles 20, 21. This nation, Judah, has been surrounded by three mighty nations. And the king, Hezekiah, said, came to God, prayed to God. God gave him a word. And, and guess what? He set up his army. In verse 21, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is the song they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. That was the song. The KJV says, For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. And his mercies endure forever. For the Lord is good, and his mercies endure forever. Imagine you put singers in front of soldiers to confront the enemy. I mean, bringing this home, like we said in the previous worship experiences, imagine Nigerian army going to Sambisa Forest and they say, true worshippers, come and come in front. You've been in front of the soldiers. And they are marching to Sambisa to rescue our girls. And true worshippers are just singing, For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. And his mercy endure forever. I mean, I think we'll be there. <laughs> Some people refuse to raise their hand. <laughs> Say, Pastor. <laughs> let, me join, let me join prayer <laughs> so that I can be praying. I'll be praying for them <laughs> as they go. In the natural, it looks foolish. I mean, look at that. Looks, it doesn't make sense. Proactive gratitude sometimes does not make sense, but it's a deadly blow. It's, a, it's, it's so powerful. If you look at verse 22, it says, At that very moment, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point, when they got to Sambisa Forest, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Not a single one just because they sang and they gave God praise and they gave showed gratitude to God. It's a huge weapon. It's a huge weapon. It's a huge weapon. 
It's a deadly blow, actually. So, when you have faith to receive healing, when you have faith to receive a breakthrough and a deliverance, and you don't have the grace to come back to say thank you to God, you rob yourself. You rob yourself. You do yourself an injustice, a disservice. When you have faith to believe God, and you don't have grace to come back to say thank you. You know, listening to the testimony of, of Matthias, it's, it's so, I mean, it's, 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 it's so amazing, isn't it? How God will take a life and change it. But guess what? There are many situations like Matthias in this church. And people won't just give God gratitude. Oh, Pastor, you know that I'm a shy person. I'm naturally, I'm naturally shy. That's Oh, really? Really? Jesus says, where are the nine? I'm praying in the name of Jesus. Concerning the situation that God has done good for you, Jesus will not say, where, where are you? Where is this person? Where are these nine? Rather, Jesus will say, is it, is it only Femi Monet that could come back? I say thank you. I'm praying in God's favorite house that with all the great things, there are great churches everywhere in the world. I, I believe that, and, and that's the truth. And God will say, with all these great churches, all the amazing things I'm doing in, in them, is it only God's favorite house that can say thank you for six years of existence? Is it only God's favorite house? That can say thank you. On Wednesday, we are dedicating the whole of Wednesday for testimonies. The testimony night. I'm going to be giving God praise. Giving Him gratitude. Showing Him gratitude. Whereas I was blind. But now I can see. May Jesus say, if I don't get thanksgiving anywhere, at least I'm sure of God's favorite house. I'm sure, I'm sure that those people, they are grateful children. They are grateful children. Grateful children. So as I draw the curtain on, on this teaching, you know, again, there's still a lot, but you know, I think I've just stopped <clears throat> where I stopped the previous services. Maybe we'll continue from here next week. I was hoping I would do them third service, but we'll land, it, we'll land the plane. The first punch of obedience, the second of gratitude. We need to examine our lives and see. Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. We need to in internalize these punches, this weapon that we are learning and we have learned. How can I be obedient to God? How can I? What instruction is outstanding in my life? What instruction? What has God told me to do that I have not done? What area of gratitude? 
Can I display and demonstrate? You know, the, the Bible says that no weapon that is formed against you that will prosper. No punch of the enemy that will come upon you that will land on you. He says, these benefits are enjoyed by servants of the Lord. Servants of the Lord. Servants belongs to their master. You may be here, you're like, Pastor, I'm not born again. Can you pray with me? I want to enjoy these benefits. I want to come into this relationship with Jesus. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. You're saying, Pastor, that is me. Oh, I used to be born again, but I'm backslid. I'm no longer with Jesus. I'm not where I used to be with God. I want to come back to God. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Wherever you are seated, that is me, Pastor. Put up your hand. I'll pray with you quickly. Over your head. Put up your hand. Put up your hand. Well, God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you. God bless you. That is me, Pastor. That is me. God bless you. God bless you. All over the place. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Right there. Right there. Keep the hands up. That is me. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. Once you have the card, you're going to slip a card in your hand. You can put on that hand and cry to God. Cry to God. Cry to God. Yes, yes, yes. Over there. Over there. That is me. Put on that hand. That is me. The rest of us, let's talk to God. Let's talk to God. Obedience is better than sacrifice. To hacking than the fatness of rams. Oh, my father. Oh, Lord, we honor you. Lord, we honor you. Father, give us the grace to obey you. Give us the grace to be filled with responsive and proactive gratitude all the days of our lives. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are afraid. Let's put our hands together.